0: Before to start with this episode, I just wanted to remind you that Easy Medical Device do have its own shop now, so don't hesitate to go and to find some templates uh, related to the medical device regulation, uh, or uh, also some coaching session that I'm offering. Okay, so let's start now with this episode. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir El from EasyMedicalDevice.com. And today, we will talk um, with a lot of exits at the end of our wording, uh, because I will have, we, uh, we'll have with me uh, Eric Volbrecht uh, from Axon Lawyer, and he will help us to understand first the, about the Brexit. We will have some few words about Zit, and at the end, I discovered a new exit which is maybe Zit. So <laughs> Eric will give us more information
1: about that. So Eric, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thanks very much, uh, Monir. As a Dutch speaker, I'm very much uh, comfortable with all these uh, consonants because our language uh, can put a lot of consonants in one row and still make sense. So uh, I'm going to be uh, very happy to say a lot of uh, exits uh, today. <laughs> OK, so great. So let's, let's let's kick that off. But first, I just
0: wanted uh, to congratulate because yesterday, so as the day we record the, the podcast, yesterday we had a new notified body that was um, announced for the MDR, and it is DNV GL Pre-Safe AS, so from yeah. Norway, and oh, I'm, okay. I'm I'm really the, the the fact that I'm announcing that is the fact that it's from Norway, which Norway is outside of Europe, if I can say. Uh but uh, yeah there has really not what the Norwegians would think themselves now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's it's mainly it's mainly the fact that because we'll talk about a lot of Brexit or all the exit and ah. Norway's outside of uh of, of Europe. I mean <clears throat> in the in the in the, the map, but they are applying the European uh, laws, they have an agreement with Europe, and it's why they mm-hmm. can have a notified body. Um so Let's kick off now with Brexit first. So as of February 1st or midnight at uh, January 31st, um, Brexit is applicable. So we talked about Brexit um, Mm -hmm. before. Uh, We said that people have to do some scenarios to prepare for that, for no no deal Brexit. So um, they have to find an authorized representative. They have to find an importer. They have to... Uh, be ready for the catastrophe. So we are now um, beginning of February. Brexit is happening since one
1: week. So yeah. what airplane, is that catastrophe? from the sky, business as usual, right? People are asking me now like, are they in, are they out? What is happening? Yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> I always explain this as uh, 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 Brexit is a process. And this is, um, yeah, this is sometimes hard for people to understand because it's a process that's actually, it's in underway for a long time. In 2016, that's the moment that uh, the UK gave notice to the EU that they wanted to be out. That's when the article, uh, and then in 2018, uh, uh, they started negotiations uh, that went um, it just went on and on and on and on and on. Now, by uh, the 31st of January, they were finally out. Eh? So it's, it's midnight Central European time, or the Brits would say, no, 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 it was uh, 11 p.m. Uh, GMT, which is the only time in the world that's really, that's the neutral time. So you should take that. But anyway, um, yeah, so what happened then was the, the, the moment at which the uh, UK formally left the EU. But if you formally leave, then it doesn't mean that there are no connections, right? I mean, you can leave a place, but you can still be connected to it. And that is what they still are. There is uh, So all the talk we've had so far uh, that you were just reiterating about, oh, suddenly you need an authorized representative uh, uh, in the EU if you had one in in Great Britain. That is all stuff that... uh, Um, Is based on uh, no deal Brexit. Because as soon as the UK gave notice, we want to be out, the European Commission started to prepare for the situation that we might have an an unorganized Brexit, so no deal Brexit. And then uh, you had these batches of notices. There's the famous uh, beginning of 2018 notice on uh, on, on Brexit for industrial products that basically sets out the whole basis. Then there was this batch of uh, Q&A and more QA and But this is all about uh, uh, an organized, uh, uh, hard Brexit. So Brexit that is not negotiated. Now, what happened was that, the, uh, uh, that in order to prepare for the actual Brexit, Uh, A lot of negotiations happened. That negotiation period was renewed repeatedly because the the British couldn't get organized internally. They sent Theresa May to Brussels to negotiate basically without a mandate. It's like negotiation 101. How do you not negotiate? You send somebody without a mandate and when they come back with a deal, then you say, oh yeah, we want another deal. Okay. That's the kind of stuff you can only get away with if you're a country. In any other scenario, people would say, oh, you don't want a the deal, then, okay, bugger off, no deal for you. So, but they got away with it. So then, uh, then they negotiated uh, uh, a transitional period. Transitional period was going to be two years, because the idea was that they were going to uh, exit the year before. Okay. But they couldn't. They couldn't get internal agreement for that. Uh, so then it was moved to 31 January. Now there's uh, there were 11 months left of transitional period, and in this transitional period, European Union law continues to apply. That's what they have agreed. And in this 11 months, that's this period that we've entered now. Basically, the UK needs to revisit or needs to uh, uh, find a way to deal with almost half a century of integration. What do they like to see instead of this integration? How is the the relationship with the EU going to look like? And what that is, they don't know because you hear all kinds of things they don't know themselves. You hear like, yeah, we want a Norway model. Well, I can tell you they don't want the Norway model because the Norway model is, uh, you were referring to DMV, the notified body, the yeah. Norway model is you are rubber stamping all EU internal market legislation without having any say in yeah. how it's developed. You have a seat at the table as Norway, you can look as the law is developed, but then you shut up and implement it. But, but it's, it was the reason for Brexit to not do that. So I suppose, if I remember. Exactly. So how these people can think that they're going to do a Norway, it means that they would enter into a treaty with the European Union that says we will, we will rubber stamp all your legislation, but we will have no influence over it. This is definitely not what they're going to do. So... Now you hear like, yeah, we want a Canada deal. Well, Can- the, the the Canada situation is a is a uh, that's also going to be, I think, impossible. Why? Um, how long did do you think it took to negotiate this agreement with Canada?
0: The IFTA or what was the name again of all that? Uh,
1: CETA. CETA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, CETA took. Uh, uh, I can tell you, I, I don't know exactly again, but it was like five or six years, okay. so more than 11 months, right? So are you going to negotiate the whole CETA deal in 11 months? If you look at the negotiation record that the Brits have with the uh, EU at the moment, never going to happen, just not, because there's a lot you, you need to put into it, or you get an agreement that contains almost nothing. That's possible too. Then you have maximum freedom, but then outside of the scope that you agree that will be covered by the agreement, you have nothing. This is they they I think the more likely model that they could go to is the Swiss model of stacking mutual recognition agreements. But this but is the model that the Swiss want to get away from. Exactly, so, <laughs> as we said, we will talk maybe
0: about also Swiss or I don't know if, yeah. uh, if it's like that. But um, so uh, just just to to recap, mm-hmm. from first of February,
1: nothing happens if I can say. Oh. It's, it's business as usual, except that the UK is not a member of the EU anymore. So that means that EU, EU law applies in the UK, but they have nothing to say about it anymore. So they have to apply it and shut up until the end of the year. After the end of the year, theoretically, we are in hard Brexit country. So that's what you need to plan for happening by 30, 31st of December. So except... Except because what can happen is that they also negotiated a backstop additional transitional period okay so if the uk uh, or the eu says before 1 july this year we would like extra time then they have the option to say i want two years of extra time okay so wow. two years two years of the uk Applying EU law, shutting up about it, just applying EU law and having no influence over its creation—is so that they can, kind of, they can do that for how long? Once two years, so they have one one option to exercise, and then they can prolong the period until thirty first of December twenty twenty two, theoretically. Okay, but they have to exercise that option before one July. Boris Johnson has already gone on the record publicly saying, we will never do this. We will renegotiate this whole thing in 11 months. Why? Because we're special. We can do this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that guy, I mean, he's an intelligent guy. So he, they, they know that uh, if they can't sell politically, that they are in a situation that for two additional years, they are applying EU law without having anything to say about its creation. Because that's... the. That's, that's, that's difficult.
0: It's, it's actually, um, the, the situation is actually um, difficult to understand because, as, as we've said, the um, UK is out of Europe, but they have to apply the European laws. What is there any impact on the industry, actually, like med- so the medical device industry, do they have to do something now specifically for this
1: Brexit, well, or during this transition? This is, this is, this is, this is, now you get into the situation where you have to start, um, where you have to start strategizing, because um, because as we've seen before, um, the both parties in this negotiation are perfectly willing to uh, to let things be unclear until the very last moment. Okay. So, um, basically, as as a company, you should be prepared for the scenario that after 31 December this year, European Union law doesn't apply anymore in the UK. And that means that uh, the UK is not union with a capital U for the purpose of the um, NDR anymore. Because that's something I always have to explain to people that the MDR does not apply in the European Union, it applies in the Union with a capital U. So that is, there you go, that is this, this space. So Eric is showing a line now, I, mean, I will put that on the show notes for people let's put it in the show notes. But it's, it's basically, it's, it's let's say it's Greater Europe. So it's the European Union and their friends that have agreed to also apply European uh, law one way or the other. So it's basically, it's the European Union plus Norway, Liechtenstein, Iceland, Turkey, and possibly after 31 December, the UK. Okay. Because it is possible that the highly unlikely thing happens that uh, it is possible to negotiate an agreement with the uh, with British uh, people uh, in 11 months, and that might enter into force on the 1st of January, that provides for a new uh, 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 relationship with the EU, uh, like a sort of CETA treaty. I would say it's unlikely if you, if you ask the European negotiator, uh, Michel uh, Barnier,
0: yeah.
1: he has called on the record and said, we think this is extremely unlikely that this will work. Of course, that's also strategy on their part because, uh, because what everybody always forgets, and that's also one of the big pickles that Switzerland has with the EU, is that the EU does uh, they? Uh, I mean, the EU is totally shit at power politics uh, through army, because the EU doesn't have an army. Okay. They are very bad, so they can't just go to the Middle East and then bomb somebody uh, and say, look at us, and if you don't listen, then you have a problem. So the EU has to exercise power through its economy. and. What does the EU have to offer? They have this fantastic internal market. So what do they do? They try to expand by uh, wrapping countries into their internal market. Now, the problem is, of course, that everybody's opportunistic about it. Because the EU says, we have an internal market made out of uh, four freedoms. And these are not optional. Either you have all or you have none this is problem it's going to be a problem with the uk because one of the problems with the uk was immigration free movement of persons they didn't like that very much eh? the polish plumber and that kind of things yeah i remember so, but this is this is part of what the eu is about that if you are an eu country a citizen of an eu country you can go work everywhere so this, for the EU, this is a sacred principle. And they're not just going to say, uh, oh, UK, then for you, we make an exception because you're special.
0: I mean, UK, it, UK had already a lot of exceptions.
1: They had the pounds.
0: They, they had uh, yeah. a
1: lot of things that are not... They had a super bad. big rebate on EU contributions that, that Thatcher uh, negotiated at the time. I mean, the, the UK had a fantastic position in, in the... Uh, uh, in the in in uh, in the EU, that I think they never appreciated enough, but that's my personal uh, opinion. Okay. But what you see now with Switzerland, is Switzerland is in the same boat a bit as the UK. Switzerland likes free movement of capital; they love that. Free movement of uh, goods, fantastic, because that's uh, how we can have medical devices uh, regulation in Switzerland. Um. Then there's also a free movement of services, fantastic. So you, can have, uh, so you can have banking services that go back and forth, fantastic. But free movement of persons, yeah, not so much, because that means that all these Europeans come to Switzerland and they take all the good jobs. So that's why with Switzerland we are in a situation that, um, that uh, uh, they're playing chicken at the moment uh, about renewing or uh, renewing the relationship with the with the uh, EU I understand there's you're going to do another podcast about that so I won't go into a lot of detail but basically it's more of the same uh, there the EU wants to come to a bigger institutional framework uh, with the a more comprehensive institutional framework and the Swiss are saying we don't want that we just want a bit of economic integration and that is uh, perfectly fine thank you so it's
0: now, really difficult for, for, I mean, at the end, this is a political game, but um, yeah. it, can be, it can be damaging business, uh, if I can say.
1: So it's something that uh, manufacturers can suffer. Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's a problem. But that's, uh, that's how these political uh, games are, is that as, as politicians, they will always look like, okay, what is my game? what is my cost? It's exactly like taking an army to war, basically, because if you take an army to war, people will get killed. Yeah. But in the end, you only do this if you think, well, but I will win and then the casualties will not matter that much. Okay. And for Switzerland, Switzerland is in the situation that uh, if the NDR doesn't apply by uh, 26 May, Switzerland can still say, like the UK has done, you know, also in a hard Brexit scenario, they will say, oh, but uh, uh, oh, we are familiar with CE marking of products. We know that they're good products. Yeah, you can, of course you can sell them on our market. So we will have the products. The only problem is... It's just that the manufacturers will have
0: some extra work to do, some appointing authorized representative importers, yeah. all those things to do when the border is just behind, if I can say. It's not like they have to fly too far.
1: Well, well, that, but also f- for these manufacturers, it's sometimes difficult. I have clients that needed to, that ran their uh, supply chain through Switzerland because of the favorable Swiss uh, tax laws. Okay. But now they find out that uh, Switzerland didn't do, do a good job on complementary ledges. Legislation, which is being part of the Union for the purposes of the MDR, and, and, and also Switzerland is going to make it difficult on their own industry because the EU, in case of a hard switch, will not automatically recognize manufacturers from Switzerland. They will treat them as if they were from the US, for example. Yeah, because they're a, they become a third country, and the same will happen to the to the UK. In the just, hard branches. Just, just a
0: reminder: we here for Switzerland. We are talking just about the medical device regulation. That's correct. Yes. We are not talking about yes. the rest. If you are selling toys no. or if you are selling other things, it's not applicable. But because no. the MDR is a new regulation that was not agreed before with uh, Switzerland, this is why they are playing this political game now uh, to get some 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 benefits out of it.
1: That's right, yeah. The, the EU has just used this as leverage at the moment because this is something that's right in front of, uh, in front of us. So they are using this as leverage, yeah.
0: But um, now, okay, so for Brexit, for Swixit, now we talked about, together about another one, which is, let's say, I mean, we will create this word here, which is Turek-Zit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I never heard about it before, but apparently Turkey will be on the same situation as Switzerland, is it correct? Possibly,
1: yes, uh, because, because um, uh, Turkey has an association agreement from dating back to 1963, a long time ago, which also contains, it contains a customs union, but it also contains a mechanism very much like the MRA mechanism that Swiss have. Okay and accept uh, uh, that, uh, that new harmonization areas are not added by means of an additional market, uh, uh, a mutual recognition agreement that's sort of put on top of the stack of agreements that they already have. In this case, there is an, uh, uh, there is an association council or a, and a committee with a complex technical name That have to uh, agree on yes, we will put this, uh, uh, yes, we will both uh, uh, align our legislation on this point. We will do it this way, you will do it that way. And I've heard that in Turkey, uh, basically, they're in the same situation as the Swiss. Their own legislation that is mirroring the MDR and the IVDR is ready, but there is no formal agreement as far as I know at this moment, and it might be that the test has changed, but I don't know yet, but my best knowledge is that at this moment, there is no formal approval yet that the uh, Turkish legislation counts as just as good as the, uh, as the directives, because there is there is one of these instruments for the three directives. But that just mentions the directives. And for the regulations, it's not there yet. So that still needs to happen. And that means that formally, Turkey is in the same situation as uh, Switzerland. So... so yeah, if
0: in the audience there is some people that are from Turkey and knows more about um, maybe a Turkexit, <laughs> so I would be curious. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm also curious to hear about it. If there is really something that can happen or not, and um, if there is more information to provide to uh, to the to the audience and to the manufacturers and in Turkey also maybe on what can be the impact of this uh, this kind of um, of situation. I think it would be quite I, I found it very
1: very difficult to get information on it and the process uh, the the political process is a lot less transparent, I can tell you than the Swiss uh, uh, than the Swiss uh, political process. So any anybody that has any news I would say on this uh, that would be really really welcome.
0: Yeah, so don't hesitate to contact me. Don't contact me for that. Um, so, Eric, um, I think we made uh, uh, we covered really a, a lot of things here. Um, just one thing. So for the Brexit, Su-exit, exit there are some different situations for each of them, so it's not like exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there will be another exit that can happen soon or so? Or?
1: Well, I really don't hope so, but, uh, but, but you never know. Um, I mean, um, uh, when uh, the uh, when when uh, uh, just when when the European Parliament had their last session with uh, with the UK uh, parliamentarians in it, uh, Nigel Farage, uh, I well, I'm not a fan of this guy. Let's okay. put it euphemistically. He said this is a victory for populism. Okay, and I think. Although I'm, like I said, I'm completely not a fan of this guy. I think he was spot on with that statement, because this is this is actually the all these exits. They're basically populism in action. As far as you ask me, I uh, I consider myself uh, a really a true European. Uh, I've uh, uh, I, I've worked at the European Commission. I have uh, I've lived in Brussels. I worked with European law. I've benefited a lot from uh, from the European Union. I live in a small little country that started this whole, was one of the founding members of this whole project, precisely because as a small little country these days, you do not have any leverage in the world. So the only way to really get things done is to be part of bigger, uh, a bigger whole. And the only way to make a bigger whole functional is to uh, to integrate as much as possible. And there you get, I think, in the really terrible situation that what I see in more member states than just in the UK is that they work together in Brussels, but then they uh, undersell in the best case or completely uh, deny in the worst case the benefits from European integration back home. And the UK has a very bad record of doing that. Uh, the, The tabloids in the UK are absolutely terrible in that respect, and they, they, they just spread lies, basically, or rather, uh, let's say factually incorrect statements, if you will. And that serves to create a population that thinks like, okay, but the EU is just this sort of bureaucratic super state that wants to absorb us and take our freedoms. Yes, of course, if that's how you present it, then that's what people believe. And when they had the, When they had the referendum in the UK, uh, two seconds before it closed, basically everybody was still googling what the EU was about. Well, if that is the situation, then I think both the EU—I think that's was something you can reproach them for—but also the UK, as a member state of the EU that's supposed to be loyal to the EU, has done a very bad job at educating its population on the advantages. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a lot of American clients and sometimes they ask me like, yeah, but when is your country leaving the EU? And then I say, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, but why? Well, because we have populism under control and we really understand what the EU is about. And then they say, yeah, but it's just just economic. And then I say, no, guys, this is not economic. Actually, it did not start out economic. And then I go like, hmm? And then I say, look, look at Europe, right? Europe in the 19th century... And the first half of the 20th century, it was freaking war of everybody against everybody else, killing millions and millions of people every 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Since the, since the whole European integration project started, this was over. And that is already a really big benefit. And, that was, so, and everything on top of that is nice and can make it a lot better. And the EU is really about, uh, yeah, making sure that that as that uh, on the world stage Europe becomes a player, and you see that it's really difficult also for the EU to find to to take its position because we have all these different countries with thousands of years of individual uh, history, uh, like for example. Um, Nobody understands why the Germans have such such a lot of difficulty to take leadership in the EU when the shit hits the fan because the last time they said we will take leadership in the EU they conquered everything so they still feel guilty about that for yeah, a time. exactly Yeah. Huh? and 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 the same thing yeah the french oh they'll gladly take leadership for everything but nobody understands what they're saying because nobody else speaks french i mean sorry for that (laughs) all these all these cultural things we we are still solving in the eu and that's something for example if you talk to americans and you tell them like you have no idea how fortunate you are that you have just one single language in this enormous area that takes care of so many problems and also that your history of all these states that you have in the us is completely homogeneous fantastic but we are united in diversity, and it's this diversity that is fantastic benefit. But it's also, yeah, makes makes the integration process much slower and difficult.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think it's uh, it's really a good conclusion for this uh, for this episode because yeah, let's work all together. Let's uh, make uh, make peace and not war, and uh, try to find some compromise to really uh, to really have a, a good. A union, a good country, a good market, uh, and also help our manufacturers to uh, save lives, if I can say, with uh, with the,
1: with their products, with their, with the. Medication. And as companies make scenarios, yeah, because 31 December, nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, you know, you know,
0: you know, Eric. I think you should create this uh, this uh, plate where you say make scenarios and put it behind you because we say that at each episode, and I hope now people
1: are are putting that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean. I, I make mind maps on on my, on on the wall in my office like okay this can happen that can happen here can happen there can happen and I mean some if if you make a whole tree of scenarios for 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 Brexit swixit turxit yeah I mean there's a lot of things you can happen and the, and that's also I think if we go back to the whole project of implementing MDR and IVDR is that companies take a very linear view to uh, uh implementation right they will just say okay um, because you had a podcast about uh, uh MDR and IVDR implementation processes i don't know if that also touched upon how linear a project like that should be but you have to yeah basically be aware that that there are uh, permutations in 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 uh how big the union is um by the time that your implementation project is finished. So prepare, make scenarios,
0: uh, be ready. Uh, contact Eric, He will uh, he's a specialist on scenarios so he can really help you for, for that. And I think uh, people or manufacturers will be then ready for any of these uh, things and get ahead of competition also because it's also uh, a competition, the 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 market, the business is also a competition. So you have to know what is happening, uh, so that you can know exactly what are the the risks and what are the benefits for you. Okay, Eric. So um, I think we really helped a lot here to really understand the situation between all the different countries and what uh, people have to do or uh, to think about or to see um, to be prepared of. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, so last week we had uh, uh, an episode about um, Suixit, so if you want to go and look at it again specifically, uh, with Ronald Boumans uh, from Emergo. Uh, so go and check that. Uh, so, uh, And I hope there will be no other exit uh, in future that we'll have to talk about. But we will continue with Eric to follow up with the Brexit and what is happening and if there is something about the Turkey also. Uh, so please let, uh, let us know. Okay, Eric. So thank you for your help. And I wish you a nice day. You're welcome. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.